Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes and discover real facts about the amazing people who brought the shows to life. I'm Jessica, IMDb Maven, and the person who reads everything in a theater program. And I'm Jacob, writer, producer, and senior lead detective, Logic Cop Investigations. Whoop, whoop. Each week, we watch a show and try to immediately guess who done it, without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. Then we spoil everything. We not only tell you who did it, but also who made it. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. That's what we're watching. Inspector Morse. You, Inspector. You brought her. Oh. Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> Inspector Morse. Inspector Morse from the 1980s, one of the BBC's most beloved and most lauded crime procedurals, yes. if I am to, if I hear you correctly. If I understand it. Uh, yeah. So the show logline is Chief Inspector Morse has an ear for music, a taste for beer, and a nose for crime. He sets out with Detective Sergeant Lewis to solve each intriguing case. Love and it. this is, so in his, there's a joke that um, his first name is Inspector. And it... <laughs> his first name, that his first name is Inspector? Yeah, because anyone who asks what is his name, he says Inspector. Or Inspector sometimes Morse. people just call me Morse. <laughs> and it, That's it's, fantastic. It's not until episode 31. Oh my God, which is so like... So way into like later Eight seasons, seasons in. Yeah. That series, he, sorry. Series. Yes. That he finally shares that he, that his first name is Endeavor. And so that's why we get where we where we get the prequels, the endeavors. Yes. And we also, I'll have you know, we Please get the spin-off me. detective. Well, it's called Inspector Lewis. So I, I this end of the series of Inspector Morse mm-hmm. ends with his death. What? Yes. Spoilers. Not not. I mean, for like eight years. I ever. It's this is. Not really spoilers. He dies? He dies. Like, like, wait, what? What? Does he, like, yeah. solve his last case and then have, like, a heart attack? I don't Does know. he, like, is he, like, he just putting, dies. he's, like, he's doing his grand reveal. Well, this person did this and this person did this and he, like, eats a bad shrimp and, like, dies no, mid-reveal. he has a heart attack, He has I a think, heart attack. And, okay, fine. Let's... <laughs> so, the final episode is called The Remorseful Day. Ah! Ah, ah, ah. An ailing Morse involves himself in a year-old case, cold case of a murdered nymphomaniac. <laughs> when persons of interest oh connected to it turn oh up God. dead. <laughs> Does he die in flagrante delecto? Does he like, well, she, oh, she's dead. So she's not, he's, he can't I, yeah, be getting out of the nymphomaniac. It's a year-old okay. cold case. Year-old and cold he, case. It turns out that he, oh, it says in the prior episode that he was in the hospital for a bleeding ulcer. So he has not been well. But John Thaw, who played Inspector Morse, is quoted as saying that he was actually happy with the ending and that they did kill him off, like, fully because... Right. No Sherlock Holmes back from the dead after the falls. Yes, and, like... ITV, which owned the show, was distributing mm-hmm. the show, surely would have been like, come back for a movie, like they right. did with all, you know, Prime Suspect for a million years. So he was pretty happy with the way that things turned out. Also, he, he died. never wanted. 
What? John Thaw did actually die two years later. Ah, he had wow. esophageal cancer. Oh my goodness! Well, that yeah. may—I mean—that may have been one of the reasons they had to like. I mean, esophageal cancer. If you're battling cancer for yeah, a couple maybe. of years, that might be why he had to stop. They had to end it. Yeah, but the guy who plays in this show, Detective Sergeant Lewis. Yes. After the death of his mentor. Or his boss that he sure. was the bag man for. He was the bag, right. Lewis was the bag um, man for Morse. He becomes an inspector. Guess he passes his test and comes back and he does a show that also had multi- many, many seasons called Inspector Lewis. Oh, wow. And he has does he a take on crossword? Does he take on crosswords? I don't know. Okay. I have not watched that show, but we can watch it. So we'll put it on the list. Yes. Well, this is just this is just going to turn into a great big fandom thing for the all the Inspector Morse verse. Yeah, the Morse verse. Yes. (laughs) Speaking of what it's called, what's called the Morse verse now? Okay. okay. (laughs) Or the Inspector verse? Yeah. (laughs) Inspector verse Morse. Yeah. (laughs) That is, I think that absolutely what it needs to be. Inspector verse Morse, and like we can add like little names on it for the rest of it. Like this is Inspector verse. Like what was her name in Murder She Wrote? Jessica Fletcher. Right. Inspector verse Fletcher. Inspector verse Morse. (laughs) Inspector versus Simon and Simon. Yes, yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh my God, is Simon and Simon on our list? Oh, we should, we should put, put that, that on, on the list. Okay. We'll, we'll go back to the eighties. But okay, going back to the eighties. Speaking of going yes, back to the eighties, we should do that. This this starts. This this show started in 1987, 1986, 1987? 1987 is um, when it premiered. Yes. Okay, so it premiered in nineteen eighty-seven, and the last season of Endeavor that we saw. It had just turned 1970. And Endeavor in 1970 looks to be about, I'd say, 35 at the most. Like, he looks to be like 30. Like, the whole point is that he is a callow youth at this and he's learning how to be a detective. So, 35 tops. So, 70, he's 35. 87, if you go by, like, you know, math, 17 (laughs) years later, he could only be, he'd be 52 years old. I am here to tell you we're going to put up on the socials, we'll put up a picture of what John Thaw looked like when this thing started. Like, the 80s and the 70s were not kind to Endeavor Morse. He seems to have aged about 30 years in those 15 years. <laughs> it was like, my goodness. Like, physical differences aside, because, like, whatever, two actors, different people, I get that. But, like, just the age, just, like, it would, it's ridiculous. yeah. And he is quoted, I can't find it right now, but he is quoted as saying that he was like born 40 or born 50 or he was born with white hair, you know, something to that effect. Like he's just always looked like an older well, if, gentleman. If he's but, always I mean, looked like an older gentleman, yes. then like Endeavor, like go ahead. Like they figured out how to like make Nate's hair gray on Ted Lasso. They could figure out how to make Endeavor's <laughs> hair a little grayer. I'm just saying yes. 15 years is not enough. For him to turn into this, like, old recluse of a man. And he does look like a very stout gentleman as well. As opposed to Sean Evans, who is, like, a little weed of a thing. (laughs) You just just want to be like, have a donut, Sean. (laughs) I'm a TV actor. I can't possibly. Sean, we really do need to talk about your eating disorder. This is not... He has taken Coco Chanel straight to heart. He's like, my face or my butt? I went with my face. So he's just, I'm skinny as a weed. Oh, Sean. Yes, it's true. It's there's a lot of difference. Somebody the pay two men. him more. Pay like just pay Sean him. Evans. Yeah, just pay Sean Evans more. Let him go out to eat a little bit more. <laughs> get some get some taste for like desserts or something. So this aired. <laughs> it was released in 1992. 1992. Okay, okay. So where were you in 1992? In 1992, 
I would have finished my first year at college and then gone home for the summer and then started my second year of college. Wow. Okay. It was my junior year. Mm-hmm. Junior of year of high, high school. school. Grunge was huge, like yes. lots of ripped jeans and flannel shirts everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Colors of Benetton was a big, very expensive, but cool shop. Oh, and also the body shop. So, okay, um, I have to ask, we've gone down this, we've gone down this timey-wimey road here. Yeah. Bring it home, Heard. What, why are we, why are we discussing all this? I just think it's cool. Like, (laughs) this is, this show is old, you know? And we've just proved it by telling you how old we were in it. (laughs) Yes, that's what I mean. Like, it happened a while ago, but it is still popular. They're doing Endeavor because this show was so huge. It was such a big deal. And when John Thaw died, it was uh, Bigger a tragedy. Bigger than Princess Diana. I, I don't know if it was that big, but it was pretty big. This was a big deal export for them. So much so that the creator of this show, Kenny McBain, who unfortunately died in 1989. Oh my goodness. But he died of Hodgkin's disease. This is a disease. popular show, but everybody on it is cursed. He's not cursed. I mean, people were old. Fair enough. So many of these people are older gentlemen. Like, Fair enough. Or at least these two are older. He he died of Hodgkin's disease, but lived to see the show awarded the Queen's Award for Export in recognition of its sales to overseas television companies. So it was a big deal. Yes, it was. My goodness. It was very, it had a big impression on the world. So tell, okay. So obviously there's some of the characters are carrying over from last week. So there's Inspector yeah. Morse, who yes. is our lead detective. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, older, grumpy, irascible, yeah. very much a drunk in this. I mean, oh did my you God. Did I irascible? I did. I said irascible. Should it be irascible? That's what I thought it was. I don't know. T- write us in and tell us how I'm pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> Um, very much a drunk in this, like telling his yes. assistant to put whiskey in a coffee mug for him. Yeah. There's his superior, Strange, mm-hmm. who has like leapfrogged him to become because apparently he can just, he's better at taking tests and being more politic than Inspector yeah. Morse, who's Chief just, Superintendent Chief Strange. Chief Superintendent Strange. And then tell me, Lewis is his bag Lewis, man? yeah. Detective Sergeant Lewis. And now it's time for our favorite part of the cast. Who's the medical examiner? Do, do, do. So in this episode, we have a coroner and we have a pathologist. Oh, we have two. Yeah. And neither of them, unfortunately, are Max from the episodes that we watched in in preparation oh, for this. Oh, Ma- okay. So yeah. Max because from these is... Max died. I'm telling... <laughs> what are you telling me that this isn't a cursed show? Max died. Oh, my God. I'm saying there are a lot of older dudes. So it's not cursed, they're just dying. Yes, they're just old and naturally like... Death comes for us all. Yes, death comes for us all. They're, you know, from a generation that... Maybe ate a little too much bacon, drank a little too much beer, smoked a little too many. Well, we're in the war and they... He certainly... John Thaw, who plays Inspector Morse, Mm -hmm. he drank... Like, pretty much was a huge alcoholic drunk up until 1989. <laughs> or 1984. I'm so sorry. These he are, got these, sober. These and... are hard. So these are people who have lived hard. That's what, that's what I'm hearing. Yes, I think so. You know, the entertainment business is not easy on people's bodies. Sorry, I don't want to misquote when he got sober. He was an alcoholic until 1994. Oh my gosh. 95. So he was an alcoholic for most of the series. No, because the sh- show was over in two... in. 1990... If this started in... Okay, so maybe almost half. Almost 2000, half. 2000, I think. Okay. Yeah. Still. 
not an in, not an insignificant amount of the show was he still drinking on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And he was also smoking like a chimney. Yeah. Literally 60 cigarettes a day. Oh my lord. So esophageal cancer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hence esophageal cancer. This was not a surprise to anybody. You did yeah. not need to be Inspector Morris to figure out what yeah. was going to happen there. So you're going to have to wait for our corner description. And I'm here to tell you, I am looking forward to that. Yes, yes. Well, then speaking of that, you want to get out your bingo card, <laughs> which I will be putting in Instagram here. This show is c- categorized yes. as a crime drama mystery crime drama mystery right down the middle of the road yes we could probably like we could probably call it british like we could probably add that oh, descriptor you're right. yeah so we could call it british so crime drama mystery british i was gonna um, say cozy too could we could we come up with a category called sausage fest <laughs> sure there's because this is so yeah crime drama mystery british sausage fest is there some kind of there needs to, there's like an like there's an attitude thing here like is there like a Sherlock, Sherlockian, like Sherlockian versus Monkeyan? Oh. Whereas, whereas, you know what I mean? Like Sherlock, like he's kind of a jerk. The guy kind of thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Yeah. Smartest guy yeah. in the room. Smartest guy in the room. What's what's the tally now? We got crime. Crime, drama, drama mystery, British sausage fest, smartest guy in the room. <laughs> I think that's accurate. <laughs> I think you're right. All right, here we go. Tell us again what episode we're doing. We are watching episode uh, one of season six. It's called Dead on Time. A respected, dying Oxford Don, husband of Morse's former fiance, apparently shoots himself, but his doctor asserts that he was not capable of firing a gun. Aired in 1992. Excellent. We're going to step into that. We'll be back with our guesses. They call themselves Marsonians. People who like the show call themselves Marsonians. Oh, thank you. That is fantastic. Hello, my fellow Marsonians. Yay. Hello, everybody. Glad to have you on the pod. Well, in true Marsonian fashion... I'm going to talk a lot about the music and the sounds of this cold open. Please do. Because it was just the subtitle, A, the music was great, and B, the subtitles on the music were just phenomenal. You mean the closed caption? Yes, yes, the closed caption. The closed captioning on this was great, par excellence, well done. Like it starts out with tranquil violin. Like that is the first thing you hear, tranquil violin. I swear, I'm going to start another Instagram feed, which is closed caption. Closed caption, just oddities. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I think you should. I think you should. So yes, it starts out with tranquil violin. It starts out outside of of a very posh home. There is a man coming out of the home. He's going to a van. We're not, it's a white van. We're not sure what it is at first. He gets some tools. He goes back inside. He's playing with some wiring. Turns out the maid comes up to him and says, uh, are you almost done? And he's like, yeah, 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 we're almost there. He's the phone repairman. He says it's just a loose wire. She asks him if he wants any tea. She asks him if he wants any tea, but it's very clear that she's the thirsty one. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she's so a little she's like... She's smiling she's really smi- big. Really big. She's all like, well, you are a strapping young man fixing that phone. <laughs> yeah. Could I interest you in some tea? quite a cougar. Yes. <laughs> But they move on from the repairman into, they brush over the desk 
of somebody. It's a very, like, it's a full desk. It's a fancy desk. There are lots of papers and books on it. There are lots of pictures of this man, middle-aged, maybe on the tail end of middle-aged, but not quite elderly. And he is with, he has other pictures of an attractive, she looks a little younger. It looks like an, yeah. a, a bit of a younger woman. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't think it's his daughter. I do think that it is his wife, yeah. but it might be a daughter. But I, th- I think it's his wife seeing that we know what the log line about all yeah, this the is. Yeah, the fiancé. Morris's ex-fiancé, now his wife. So we're going to assume that he's the Don, so we're going to call him the Don. The Don is in a wheelchair. And it's not just yeah. any wheelchair. It is a motorized wheelchair. Like, he is so impaired that he, like, his arms and his hands can't, like, grab the ring, the rungs of a wheel and push it. He's just got the joystick thing, like a Stephen yeah. Hawking kind of thing. And he mm-hmm. can barely get that. Um so he has a so the repairman comes in and says that the phone is fixed and so the Don kind of like pushes the joystick and gets over to the phone and he has a super hard time working the phone. Like he can only kind of like push the phone out of the cradle and it takes him a long time to hit buttons. I should clarify, depending on how old you are, when I say phone, I mean a landline push button yes. phone from the yeah. early nineties. Like this is not a cell yeah. phone. This is something that's about uh, a foot wide by a foot tall, <laughs> and it has a cradle. It's white and plastic, and it's probably only like an inch or no, two inches off of the desk. Sure. And it has a cradle with a cord that, that goes links the receiver, links the, receiver and the, the handset, the handset, and yeah. then also it has little square buttons that press, literally press. You press into them, and the buttons are smaller than the tips of your fingers. Welcome to Old People Explain Technology, <laughs> featuring Jacob and Jessica. Well, I mean, even if you're, if you are our age or older, you may wonder exactly what this prop is. I there mean, there go. have been so many kinds of phones. There have been so many different. You kinds of phones. just sent me the other day the picture, or no, somebody, no, it was a friend of ours who sent us a picture of a phone that was <laughs> like a, a sexy body, <laughs> a Jordache jeans yes, phone. Yes, it was a Jordache jeans phone, and she was like, "Oh my God, what happens this is when haunting you have to have dreams. a serious conversation <laughs> on this phone, and it's your only phone, <laughs> and you're listening to somebody's butt? You got the butt pressed up against your ear." Yeah. Anyways, that is not the phone that was here. It was a normal phone. So normal, in fact, that the repairman says, you know, we could modify this phone for you. And the Don's like, no, 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 it's okay. And he calls Susan and he checks in. She's about to give a lecture, but he's just like, I'm here. I am well. The phone is fixed. Um, So the repairman leaves. He drives off in his British telecom van. There's still tranquil violin music. So he drives off. A Volvo drives up the the way as the street as he's driving away in the british telecom a volvo dries up uh the maid leaves waves goodbye to the don the don waves back at her the maid walks her bike and then starts to ride her bike down the thing Mm -hmm. and this is where they really started to close caption the music on this you get the electric wheelchair purrs bicycle tires creak gunshot birds fly and then you cut to a photo of the Don with his head on the desk. But like, literally, those are the subtitles. Like, electric wheelchair purrs, tires creaking. I'm just like, all right, this is getting written down because going above and beyond subtitle people. Well done. Yeah, good job. But the Don is now dead on the desk. Uh, his head is slumped forward. It looks like his head is intact. 
or mostly intact. They don't show a whole lot of that, but then again, yeah. they wouldn't different time. They didn't go in for so much gore on TV, but there's definitely True. blood, lots of blood everywhere. Yeah. And then there was another man in the room who is quite shaken. We don't know anything about it other than yeah. he looks haunted and shaken by what he's seen. Yeah. And um, there is a gun beside his face by the Don's face. Oh, okay. Face I didn't see the, I didn't see on the, the gun. desk. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Okay. So there you go. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. And you didn't mention, too, the yes. maid, as she is on her bicycle biking away on the road, she also has the, the Volvo, Volvo coming towards her and it passes her. Yeah. So she knows who was in the Volvo. She saw the Volvo. You Well, I don't know if she know She, she saw might not, the face. She saw the face, saw, yeah. She might not know it. who it is, but yeah. Anyway, she did witness it. She could remember that she saw a car. It's a very pastoral scene. Very pastoral. A beautiful country home. So there you go. That's what it is. Time for some guessing. I'm going to say it's the wife. <gasps> you think it's the wife? Well, I think it's the wife. And then he's gonna, she's going to go to Morris and be like, I think my husband was murdered. Yes. Yes. And he's going to get all like, oh no, this lady's talking to me again. This lady's and talking this to me again. this could be my chance to yeah. be a hero and maybe she'll come back with me. Yep. Drink, and drink, th- drink, drink, drink. And I think this is just—I think this is just another way to twist the knife into more. Ah, uh, always, always, it's always, always the wife it's or not the always. woman. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, it isn't the woman. It's in this show. It's very the woman often is always the bad dead. Husband. The woman is always dead in this show. We're about to get killed. So or... she's not dead. Okay, okay. So that's what you think. You're, I'm, that's I'm, your I, guess. I, if these Any are, other? If, if these are the people we know, I think it's her. I do. I think it's a great way to twist the knife into Morse again and like just have him go back and deal with this and want to protect her, but then realize that she's kind of evil. And once again, like any kind of hope for love that he's had is just completely dashed. Oh. Because I don't think they can do the whole thing where like she dies again because they've, yeah. I think they've run that well dry. But making the person <laughs> he's in love with be the person who's done it. This is the first episode of the season. Yes. So do you think that there will be like more of a body count in this? Oh, do we think more people are going to die? Yeah, do you think? Hmm, hmm you're right. Yes, do I think. <laughs> Jessica Heard breaking me of the royal we habit. <laughs> <laughs> do I think that more people are going to die in this episode? You know what? I don't. I don't think so, no. Okay. I'm thinking about this. And I'm trying to think like some of the ones we've watched to prep for this more people have gotten murdered to cover things up. Like there's people who know too much and so they have to get killed. I bet what's going to happen is that the wife did it. I think the wife did it and I think it was a mercy killing. I think it was, I think if it was a suicide, I don't think he actually pulled the trigger himself. I wonder if there was some kind of setup that was done so that either he could do it that she helped with or that she knew about it and like maybe I bet there I bet this is one of those like not compassionate suicide things but what's like people who are like people who want to exit yeah. life on their own terms kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I do think she was behind it whether or not and I think that might even that might even twist the knife even deeper where it's just like yes, I killed him, but I'm still in love with him and it was an act of mercy because I love him so much. So like you know what I mean like she's not even available even in death a she killed him but b she's still not even available because she did it out of love to begin with yeah so but no i still think i definitely think it's the wife and i don't i don't see there being any more because there's also not a let's face it there's also not a lot of people to die 
Like in the last yeah. one we saw, there was this whole tour party. And so there was like 10 characters wandering around. So there was just, there, there were so many people ripe for death. That, <laughs> uh, that last episode we saw was just so convoluted. It was just, anyways, I don't think this will be quite so convoluted. So no, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm just locking that in. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's the wife. Because I'm just going to be contrary. Shall we have a row? Well, yeah. I mean, we don't have to. But I'm just going to be contrary. Because you're saying the wife, so I'm just going to try to come up with something else. Mm -hmm. So I think that he, like he has this wife, and he has a son. And I think that he also had students. This makes sense. And I think that... The one of the girls in his classes got upset with him like pulling out of the university and that he never left his wife and that she could take care of him because she was young and it was the 80s. So, of course, she could do everything for him and she should kick his wife and son out of the house because they have been... You know, oh, I think that his wife has a job. Oh, yeah. I mean, That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He his, calls, he's calling her to She's about to her. lecture, so she clearly has yeah. a job. Yeah. So she's a university lecturer and, you know, she's really busy on campus. And maybe this girl is like, nope, I don't go for She uh, doesn't. She's people. not giving you the, the care and appreciation you need Yeah, she's deserve. away while you are here and, you know, I could you know, be assisting you and writing your books and I could be, you know, getting your papers out and and be more of mm. your assistant and make your life really worth it so you wouldn't feel like just this disabled person at home. I don't mean to say just a disabled person, but maybe he right. was feeling that way. And so she she kills him out of anger and passion because mm. he refused to... He refused all of her help and kept refusing her. And she was yeah. like, if I can't have you, no one can. Yeah. And he, you know, he won't even take the, the telephone. The BT guy, the BT te- right. uh, British te- Telecom guy is like, well, you know, we can get you. You can have something that's, you know, easier for you. Right. And he says, yeah, I know. And then the guy's like, all right. All right. He doesn't I, want it. I made my effort. And he kind of has like a, oh, I feel sorry for you kind of vibe. I mean, he's struggling to use the phone. It's It takes a long time. It's not easy. And so, I, I don't know. I don't mean to justify that guy's feelings. But I think that this, <laughs> I think that this woman... <laughs> yeah, think, you know what? I think we really need to drill down on this British telecom guy's feelings yeah. about how he really got into... Like, how did he feel about that wire? Like, did he... Did that actor really come in here and be like, okay... There's a loose wire. Can we talk about how this wire got loose? <laughs> Can we talk about like what was happening here? Yeah. I don't mean, you know that's got honestly that does have to be a clue, I'm imagining. Yeah. Like somehow who's loosening the wires and Yeah. To make things a little sloppy or something, but Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I also Okay, wait. I'm gonna back it up. Alright. I'm gonna have choice B and choice I think B. I'm going to Maybe I'll change my mind. I think the maid did it. The maid? Well, the maid was sure very smiley. Maybe it's like a... Oh! oh it's like a misery thing. Oh! And he... And she's like doing little things in the house to try to make the... To keep this guy there and be miserable. 
because she just wants him all for herself. Oh. Because he's super smart and he used to maybe like tell her things that were really interesting and fun. Like, I don't know what he's a Don of, like, but whatever his specialty was, Mm -hmm. he would discuss different things with her maybe. Now he won't do anything. He just kind of feels a little sorry for himself and just mopes around the the house. I think she feels she feels neglected. Mm-hmm. I am sticking with the maid. I'm sticking with the maid. Great. The maid did it. All right, you've got the maid. Yeah, that's I've got mine. the wife. You got the maid and the wife. Well, do you have any prop bets? Well, I don't think anybody. Like I said, I don't think anybody else is going to get murdered. Okay, here's the prop bet. Do we think that the maid actually at some point does seduce the British telecom phone person? No. No? Okay. Margaret Thatcher. We'll make Margaret Thatcher the prop bet. If they mention Margaret Thatcher, everybody gets five extra points. <laughs> okay, here's a thing. Tell right? me the thing. Colin Dexter wrote the Inspector Morris novels. Oh! And he yes, yes, makes yeah, I see where you're cameo going. appearances, apparently, according, according to the Morrisonians, he makes cameo appearances in nearly every single Inspector Morse episode. So take a look. Find out what he looks like. Because he was in the like restaurant dining area of right. the hotel in the last episode. And they like super focus on him. And then they sort of like a ha 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 joke. And I was like, God, that seems like a Stan Lee kind of moment. And because it was. Because it was. So that's, that is a picture of Colin Dexter. Oh my God. He looks like he... He looks like Wallace Shawn, but a little more gnomey. Yes. That's a really a, good... A little more yeah. garden gnomey. Fair enough. <laughs> well, we'll find out who did it, who done it. And where he no showed up. Done, and where he showed up. <laughs> and we'll be back to tell all. All right, guess what? Guess what, oh gentle listeners, guess what? <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> like, sometimes when we do this, you say something, but or I say something, right. but our motives are completely off, are completely wrong. And right. I feel guilty about taking any kind of points because I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe I guess that person, but... Everything that I imagined. How could about I have known motive. that the Leprechaun Bridge would have been the way to the Candy Kingdom? There's no, I, but I, so I don't. You feel guilty, but yeah, yeah. I mean, not guilty, but yeah, I guess no, I did you say feel guilty. Gu- you feel guilty. I, I'm like that shouldn't count because I didn't get the motivation. <laughs> it's like not knowing what the the murder weapons are in the in the game of Clue. Right? Can I, can I say that? Do I have to pay? No, I think we're fine. Okay, so yeah, but you nailed it. Well, no, okay. Hold on. You didn't. I agree. I did, I did not I did not 100% get it. There was another motive. There's a there was a bit of a twist to all of this yes. that that I didn't get, but Yeah. in in most of the broad strokes. Yes. I got it absolutely. Yeah. Spot yeah. on. Way more than we usually Yeah, way more than we usually which is to do. Say <laughs> two plot points. But and there was a twist that neither of us uh, saw coming. So. Yeah, there's there's some interesting things in here. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and give you a, like a thirty thousand foot view of all of this. But let's just say so. But yes, so yes, I missed a couple plot points. But in whole, 
it was the wife. Yes. The wife was the one who pulled the trigger and, and killed her husband. With, and she did it with her husband. Yes. And he he was and holding her hand and kissing her hand. They had planned the whole thing for his death. He did want to choose euthanasia yes. and yeah. his own determination of death because he was a very smart man, very brilliant. This neurological disease was killing his body, but it was also killing his brain. So he's going to be trapped in his body and be a shell of who he was and... He didn't want that, so he wanted to die. And so he and Susan came up with this plan to not only give him the death he sought, but also do a pretty sneaky, nasty thing as well. Yes. Which we'll get to. And let's get to that with a bit of a recap. Yes. Before we get into the recap, I again, the subtitles, on point, chef's kiss, well done. Here's just a sampling of some of the great subtitles that we heard <laughs> on this. Tires humming. Engine rumbling, gurney wheels creaking, melancholy orchestra music, gravel crunching, birds chirping. That could practically be a haiku. I mean, it's much too long for a yes. haiku. But it's a nice yeah. little poem right there. That kind of, it's a nice little yeah, you're right. tone poem about what the rest of the episode was. Well done, closed captioning people. I applaud you. But let's get back to story. Let's get back to, <laughs> as I like to say, I privilege narrative. Yes. So let's go back to the narrative. Woo, let's do it. So we find ourselves back in the office where Henry the Don had died. There's Henry, the dead body. The man in the Volvo was Peter. He, Peter is Henry's son-in-law, we learn. And he is the one who found Henry dead. So Peter yes. says he didn't do it. He came in. Henry was dead. Morse questions him. Peter says that Henry even called him to come visit, which we know was impossible because the phone was being repaired. But Peter's like, no, Henry called me and came to, told me to come visit. So I came. As Morse questions Peter, Lewis goes to visit Susan's brother, William. William is a hoot. We first see him doing his daily exercise on a mechanical horse. He's a a fop who wears an ascot and riding clothes inside on this mechanical horse. Yeah, and he has a Scottish servant with an eye patch. His butler is this Scottish (laughs) servant with an eye patch. Surly. Surly Butler. He is my favorite butler ever now. He is he, yeah. he's just what is he's even happening phenomenal. There? There's a and scene about lemonade and pips, and it's just Yeah, they get into this huge fight about you left the pips in. It's like it's straight been strained out of the watchmen. And, it's, yeah. Just that <laughs> anyways. So William says that oh Henry must have killed himself. It, as if everybody knew that this was a possibility. And William goes and fetches Susan from London, from the train. Susan is on a train from London. So William goes and fetches Susan and then takes her to the police station where Morse comes down the stairs. It's a very, like, Cinderella coming down the stairs moment for Morse. (laughs) And uh, Susan sees him and completely faints dead away. Yeah. Because, I mean, we know from the log line, but no one else does, and that this this was the woman who Morse was supposed to marry and left her for Henry. When she awakes, she says that she'd been expecting, again, she also was expecting Henry to kill himself. And that seems to be that. Later on, though, Morse takes her out for a walk in the countryside. And Susan fills Morse in on the details of her life with Henry. They went to America. They had a daughter. The daughter married Peter. And together, the daughter and Peter had a son. And then, tragically, Susan lost both of them. Her daughter and her grandson died in a car accident in the middle of the night a few years back. And now Henry has died. It's all very tragic for Susan. So, of course, Morse is totally falling back in love with her. Yeah. Although, let's be honest, he never stopped being in love with her because no. Morse has 
le tragique <laughs> when it comes to being in love with people. So there's an inquest and people's everyone says that it's a suicide and everyone agrees that it's a suicide. But after the inquest, Morse notices a random woman that we've never seen before and we don't know who it is. She, he notices this random woman fighting with Peter, the son-in-law, in a parking lot after the inquest. So that's a little strange. But what's even more strange, and I have to say a little tactless, let's be honest, like literally Susan has just walked out of the inquest for her husband's death just ruled a suicide, literally not 50 yards from the front door of the courthouse. And Morris is like, so I know that this is horrible timing and all, but can, can we go out on a date? (laughs) (laughs) It's, 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 but you know, she says yes. So, you know, I guess, you know, game got game, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, before the date can happen though, Morris receives word from Henry's doctor, Dr. Marriott, who had been up in Scotland, which is why he couldn't have said anything earlier. But Dr. Marriott now says that it couldn't have been suicide. Henry was much too neurologically impaired to have been able to pull the trigger. So now, maybe it's not suicide. And guess what? Guess who's the receptionist in Dr. Marriott's office? It's the redhead who was fighting with Peter. At the inquest. At the inquest. After the inquest. After the inquest. So yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Marriott's receptionist fighting with Peter. Parking lot lady. So, of course, as probably all of you do as well, Morse immediately suspects that it was Peter. He was there. He had the opportunity. He was the person who found it. But they can't figure out the motive. But he gets more suspicious, Morse does, of Peter after talking with William. Because William just wants the best for Susan and has set Susan up on a lunch date with Morse. Morse is getting so many dates with this lady Mm -hmm. now. Even the butler, the Scottish butler is just like, Hey, what about Morse then? That is my horrendously bad Scottish accent. Yeah. Um, but the, even the butler is trying to get Susan to like yes. hook up with Morse. It's like, lay off a little bit, people. Her like her husband is not yet even cold in his grave. Why are you pushing her into the arms of Morse? Anyways, Morse ends up questioning William, and William spills the beans that Henry was about to cancel a loan to, that was keeping Peter's antique mm-hmm. business solvent. Mm-hmm. So yes, Henry... And Susan were giving Peter loans to keep his business intact, and they were just about to cancel them. So now, Peter has opportunity and motive. That's enough for Morse. He brings Peter in to question him. Peter is blindsided by the accusations. He maintains his innocence. He claims he knows nothing about this, that he had been told that the loan was going to go through, and that Henry had just called him and asked him to come over. He doesn't know why, but he knows that Henry did. Morse doesn't buy it especially after he learns from William. William is the biggest gossip in the world. Yeah. He's amazing. So Morse learns from William that Peter used to be a drunk and a huge philanderer, having affairs all over the place. Couldn't keep his pants on. Couldn't keep his pants on. So Morse is now convinced that Peter did it all. Mm -hmm. Lewis, however, Mm -hmm. is beginning to doubt that Peter did it. He's yeah. not saying that Peter's a great guy, but he's like, he, he's clearly not lying about the fact that Henry called him over. So something fishy is going on here. Yeah. Um, Morris doesn't want to hear it. So Lewis does his own investigating. He and find- we know from this show that when Lewis has a hunch, he is generally correct. Really? Yes, it is a thing. Okay. But no, but for some reason, the way that they write it, you never really realize that. Mm. 
like Morse, you know, you always are he's like Morse figures. He's logical. Yeah. yeah, he's logical. And he's the one he figure. figures this, he does the crossword puzzles. He does the puzzles. He figures it out. Mm-hmm. But actually, a lot of times it's Lewis. Interesting. Kind of like how it was with Endeavor and Fred Thursday. Yes. Sometimes Morse is just a little too clever for his own boots. Yes. And he yes. can't see the truth. Yeah. Well, Lewis does some investigating. He finds out that the phone wire could easily have been repaired. That the when they called it in and when they got it repaired, like they requested somebody not to come out until late in the afternoon. And it was just a loose wire that could easily have been screwed back down. So there could have been somebody. And he also, Lewis also figures out that there could have been somebody else in the house besides just Peter. But Morse won't hear any of it. So Lewis further goes behind Morse's back to investigate Susan's flat in London, where theoretically Susan was in London all day long because Henry called her and talked to her on the phone after the phone got repaired to let her know Mm -hmm. he was okay. Lewis goes to investigate Susan's flat and finds an answering machine there. So I'm glad that we prepped you with our description of the phone. Now it's time for (laughs) us to tell millennials and Gen Zers what an answering machine was. See, back in the day, you didn't have voicemail attached to your phone. So there would be a machine that would answer the phone for you. And there was literally a cassette tape in it yes. that would play a message and then record the message of whoever else called in. Yeah. And you could go in and just hit a button and hear anybody else's messages that were there. Yeah. So Lewis does that. He hits the button. And what does he hear? He hears the conversation from Henry, theoretically talking to Susan. One-sided, converse, One-sided conversation. conversation. So Henry was totally pretending to talk to Susan to throw the maid off and the maid and off the, the scent and the phone repairman off yeah. the scent. He didn't actually talk to anybody, which means that Susan wasn't in her flat and she could have been at the house. And Lewis now has this tape that is a smoking gun. They know that somebody else could have been in the house. They know that Susan wasn't in London. All signs point to it being Susan. Lewis really can't bring himself to tell Morse. He can't bring himself to tell Morse because he sees that Morse is so deeply in love with Susan again. And just once, in the kindness of Lewis's heart, he wants Morse to be able to be happy in love and to have some sort of like companionship. But, you know, Morse being Morse, he knows that things don't add up. Yeah. He knows that something else is going on. So he browbeats Helen, Dr. Marriott's wife, into confessing that Helen had an affair with Peter many years ago. And that affair is the reason for the car accident that killed Susan and Henry's daughter and their grandson. Helen and Peter were having a drunken night of debauchery. Helen called up uh, Susan's daughter, who came over and picked up Peter and tried to take him away. They had a fight in the car. The car rolled over and caught on fire. Helen was able to rescue Peter. She wasn't able to rescue Susan's daughter and their son. The car exploded. The and car burned exploded up. and burned up. So she feels really guilty about all of this, but she's still in love with Peter. So she doesn't want Peter to go to jail, but she also doesn't want to say anything because she has her own shame and her own guilt around all of this. So now all this means is that Morse thinks that Helen's husband, Dr. Marriott, did it for revenge because he knows that Helen slept with Peter. So now Morse is all about Dr. Marriott and nailing Dr. Marriott to the wall. Because it also turns out that Dr. Marriott and his euthanasia organization got all the money practically from Henry's estate, leaving Susan penniless. Yeah. So Morse is 
upset at the injustice of it all, and rushes to go tell Susan this, but finds Dr. Marriott's car at Susan's. And since he can't prove any of this yet, he decides he's going to go away and just figure out how he can prove it and confront Dr. Marriott when he can prove it. Well, turns out he's going to be too late because Dr. Marriott and Susan were in it together. They both hated Peter because Peter wrecked Dr. Marriott's marriage and killed Susan's daughter and grandson. The idea was, was that she would kill Henry and that Dr. Marriott would help her commit suicide after Henry died because she had nothing else to live for. But Dr. Marriott doesn't want to go through with this now because she's, he's just like, you know what? I agreed to help Henry kill himself, but you have plenty of reasons to live. And she's like, no, I have nothing to live for. And Marriott's like, well, what about Morse? You've got Morse. Morse is clearly in love with you. You could be happy with him. And she's like, no, this secret would always come between us. Marriott pleads with her to choose life and refuses to help her kill herself, and he leaves. But this being Morse, you know she's going to find a way to kill herself. Yeah. And she does. Morris comes back the next morning, and William is there. And William's like, I can't wake her up. I can't wake her up. And Morse goes in, and she's dead. She has killed herself with pills. And, of course, he still blames Marriott. He's too blinded by his love of Susan to see the truth. And the doctor knows this and plays him. He dares Morse to prove it. He can't, so Morse walks out. He's heartbroken. He spends the night. You don't see it, but it's presumed that he spends the night walking Oxford and finally ends up by the edge of the river and is just mm-hmm. inco- inconsolable. And you know who else is inconsolable? Lewis. Yeah. Lewis is also inconsolable because he knows he has the evidence in his hand that would prove that Susan was the one who killed Henry, but he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to be the one to break Morse's heart again. And he can't yeah. decide, should he tell him the truth or should he just let Morse live with this like ache that he couldn't prove that it was Dr. Marriott. And in the end, Lewis decides to spare Morse's heart. He throws the tape into the river. Morse is accepting of that, the fact that this woman that he loved is dead. And they go off and they have breakfast together. Lewis having figured it out and saved Morse's heart. And Morse once again, having a tragic love moment. Yes. There you go. There you go. So, uh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I nailed it. It was the wife. It was euthanasia. The whole supporting the euthanasia dignity thing I had no idea of. And of course, the whole like, well, this woman had a, this random woman had an affair with her son-in-law, which killed her daughter and her grandson. Like, I obviously didn't know any of that. I suppose if you want to ding me for that, you can. But I'm still taking the point. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. You get the award. Uh, and I will I will again close with the sound haiku. Melancholy orchestra music, gravel crunching, birds chirping. <laughs> I know the syllables don't work out on that. I just love... Uh, Good job. Good job, good. Jacob. This is a few in a row. Is this this is is this three in a row for us or four in a row for us? I don't know. I don't we're know. We're doing we're doing pretty good. Yeah, it's going it's going well. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. On that victory note, let us go to the IMDBs. Woohoo! So the opening notes of this theme actually, yeah, the opening notes of the theme music, which they generally play in the closing credits, mm-hmm. are based on the word Morse. There's like a doo doo 
Oh, uh huh, yeah. Which is the Morse code altered for musical purposes. Oh, it's a great yeah. theme song. It yeah. is very sweeping and haunting and lovely. His name is Barrington Philong. <laughs> oh my god, that is the most English name I've heard of in ages. Barrington Philong, composer. Okay, so let's talk about John Thaw. <laughs> yes, please. 1942 to 2002. I thought he died in 2000. I'm sorry. I guess I got that wrong. Oh, it's okay. So a uh, working class boy, no surprise, from Manchester, whose intensity and natural honesty made him British television's most bankable actor. I think that's a tiny bit of an exaggeration. That's a tiny bit of There's hyperbole. A lot, yeah, hyperbole. Well, but he def- I mean, don't get me wrong. He's good. He's and like his fantastic. moment, his moment yeah. with like where he has that just grief moment. He, when he comes in and he finds Susan dead, he takes her hand and like sits next to her and bows his head and just holds her hand. And it's, it's, it's extremely touching. It's a yeah. beautiful moment. No, he's he is a good actor. Absolutely. Yeah. He studied at RADA, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, and his first starring role on TV was Sergeant John Mann in Red Cap in 1964. And his first great success, though, was as Detective Inspector Reagan in The Sweeney in 1974. Violent and uncompromising, the series changed the portrayal of police work on British television and was one of the defining dramas of the 1970s. So oh my gosh. he was pretty famous already when he yeah. got to Morse. So I'm beginning to see why they said consistently bankable. He was also a favorite of film director Richard Attenborough, who cast him in Cry Freedom in 1987 and in Chaplin in 1992. Oh, wow. We talked a little bit already about how his hair was went prematurely white. <laughs> what is, and uh, so many p- viewers, even though he was 44 when he began playing Inspector Morris, people No, wait, wait, wait. What? He was 44. He was, he was not 44. I don't care if his hair was white. He was... He's 1942 so, is when he was born. He started playing Inspector Morris in 1987. But, but who played with the space-time continuum yes. to make that happen? There is no way that that is extra. No, I refuse to believe that. Because, but you, I want to see. I'm gonna have to track down pictures of him in the 70s. I want to track down pictures of him in the 70s okay. because theoretically, I am like, like, oh my god, I am. Mind blown. My mind is blown. Like, you look at how... He was an alcoholic until 1994, and he smoked three packs a day. (laughs) Okay. That does something. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But I want to see a picture of him in the the 70s, theoretically only two or three years after what, like, Sean Evans looks like. (laughs) And just to say, like, okay, sure, maybe that's the same person. He is... Oh, my word. (laughs) What is going on? I would uh, come on. You've got the you've got the NHS over there taking care of your health. What are you doing looking like that at forty four? That is insane. Bonkers. Yeah, he broke his foot in his teens when he tripped while running for a school bus, and this left him with a slight limp that is noticeable in some scenes of Inspector Moore series. And was written into Endeavor in the episode in the part where he's in the church 
with the wife of Helen, Peter, yeah. Helen, or not Peter, the... The Dr. Merritt, yeah. The Dr. Merritt's wife, who is in love with Peter. Right. And she's like in there confessing and feeling I did bad. not notice a limp. Yeah, he kind of limped or, I mean, he kind of, yeah, he was just unsteady. I mean, I guess he could have been drunk too, but... Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a game for y'all to play as you're watching all of this. Drunk or foot injury? Yeah. <laughs> they definitely placed less impact on the fact that he was drinking in this. Like one of the episodes, the early episodes that we watched. Oh the my other god! Night, he People, drains. He a drains a pint glass it's in like a, a thirty-second like, scene. What do you call it when it's like two pints? In I don't one know, mug. but you're right. It is. It's it one like of those like Viking. really huge Viking mugs. <laughs> like yeah, and he does. I mean, it's literally a thirty-second scene, and it's like gone, and you're like amazed at it, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's astonishing how quickly he drinks. It's like frat house training right there. Yes. Yes. So that's a lot of fun stuff about him. Kevin, I don't know how to say his name. I'm going to say Watley or Wait, Watley, Watley maybe? Mm-hmm. W-H-A-T-E-L-Y. He plays Detective Sergeant Lewis, mm-hmm. his bag Morris's Bagman. He... Like, so many of these actors... Okay, we joke how in the U.S., looking through people's IMDb's, yeah. we're like, oh, New York actor. Of course, they've done Law, Law and Order. Order, right, Law yeah. and Order, Law 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 and Order. Law and Order, yes, in, the yeah. Law and Order original series, yes. Law and Order, yeah, all of them. Well, in the U.K., they have Miss Marple, they have Poirot, they Father have Brown. Midsummer Murders. Yeah. Some people have a little bit of foils war and stuff. So anyway, yeah, he got he appeared in a three-part Miss Marple adaptation for the BBC. His part, Detective Sergeant Fletcher, opposite John Castle as Inspector Craddock, was very similar to what he became the career-defining role he took two years later when he was cast as Detective Sergeant Lewis on Morse. Inspector Morse... Uh, then was spun off, as we discussed earlier, right, yeah. into Inspector Lewis, which he and his sidekick D.S. Hathaway, played by Lawrence Fox, did for 42 episodes from 2006 to 2015. Oh, wow. So, so this guy worked on this character Lewis from 87 to 2015. To 2015. That is 28 years with a character. Yeah. That's like Coronation Street years. level of same character. He loved it, apparently. He had everything to say a positive about the experience. He studied at the Central School of Speech and Drama, and he plays guitar and listens to Pink Floyd and Dire Straits. <laughs> I looked up a little bit about Chief the, the gentleman, um, James Grout, who played yeah Strange, Chief, Chief Superintendent. Who was doing an amazing bang-up, Wil- not Wilt Chamberlain. That's an entirely different person. Yes. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Who's the... I just went right out of my brain. Who's who's the... Who was the Prime Minister during World War II? Oh, Winston Churchill. That's the one. Oh, my God. He he's, totally could do he's, that. He's doing it an absolute Winston Churchill. It's totally a Winston all. Churchill impersonation. He was it's never great. cast. That's crazy. He did Rumpel of the Bailey. He was on All Creatures Great and Small, which I cannot remember, and I watched that show so much. Um, <laughs> but he had a pretty big role on it, and for some reason I can't remember it. This episode and four other episodes of the 33 were directed by... Sean Evans. No. <laughs> no. I, was he even born no, yet? Who knows? <laughs> John Madden. 
And the football coach? No, no. <laughs> the the film director, John Madden, his it's like his career took off after directing this. He directed Shakespeare in Love. He directed the best exotic marigold hotel. He directed the second best exotic marigold hotel. He directed Proof. He directed Mrs. Brown. He directed Waking Ned Divine, Prime Suspect, the Lost Child episode. Oh my god. Or series. Oh, we did. We, we watched that one. Yeah. And yeah. he directed Captain Corelli's Mandolin, which he... Nick Cage. He would not have had the opportunity to, to direct that, but the original director had a heart attack right before filming, and so he took over that. Okay. Great. So this episode and five other episodes of the Inspector Morse show were written by a man named Daniel... Boyle. Which I have to say is not actually Danny Boyle. Like I just thought she said that and I was like, oh my god, Danny Boyle, the guy who directed Train Spotting, 127 days. Like what, this guy? No, it turns out that yes, Danny Boyle is the director who did Train Spotting. He also get this, Danny Boyle also directed two episodes of Inspector Morse in 1990, but he's not Daniel Boyle, who is a completely separate person who is the writer for these episodes. Yeah. So, not confusing at all. Okay, so now I have a couple of squealy things. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) She's not lying. I heard her squealing this afternoon in this research. Okay, Okay, bring it on. Okay, so the redhead woman in the show, the woman who we see sort of trying to talk to Dr. Marriott's wife, who's in love with Peter. Who's in love with Peter. We see her in the parking lot at first after the inquest. Well, Samantha Bond. Her first film was, I mean, knocked it out of the park. She was cast in Eric the Viking, which was a 1989 film with John Cleese, Mickey Rooney, Eartha Kitt, Tim Robbins, Jim Carter, who plays Mr. Carson on Downton Abbey, and Jim Broadbent. Like, it's a cast of thousands. Yes. And really seems like it's probably a really funny movie. Then she went on to be in a bunch of other things. You may recognize her for two very famous things. Okay. One, in 1995, she started a long run in one, two, three, four, five James Bond movies playing Miss Moneypenny. What? Yes. She started in GoldenEye, and then she was in Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Enough, Die Another Day, and... She was Moneypenny. what? That's actually four movies. One, That's okay. two, three, four. Yeah, four movies. She played Miss Moneypenny. Okay. So the other thing that's really fun about her is that she plays from 2010 to 2015 Lady Rosamond Painswick in <laughs> Downton Abbey. Lady Rosamond is the sister of Lord Grantham, Lord Crawley, Mr. Crawley, and the daughter of the Dowager Countess of Grantham. And she is the lady who lives in London. Her husband is dead. And so Lady Mary and Lady Edith, when they go to London, they often go and stay with oh, her. Oh, okay. Yes, and yes, yes. she helps them find love. She is so great. They could not have cast anybody better. She's she's wonderful. And of course, she has like the typical English history of like Poirot, Midsummer Murders, right, yes, Miss Marple, Rumpel, the Bill, Kavanaugh. Anyway, also I did look up Joanna David, who plays the Morse's love interest, the, right, the fiance Susan. or the former ex-fiance Susan in this show, 
And she also has the same history. I mean, same kind of like. She also has resume. amazing bangs in this episode. Oh, oh my, my god! Gosh. Like, where That's are these bangs said. from? Like these bangs. These bangs are not 1992. They're this. They're longer bangs. Like if they went straight down, they would they would practically cover her eyes. Yeah. But they never go straight down. It looks like a little like a filigree design element that's just on her forehead but it's her bangs <laughs> yes and they have this weird edge to them so she also did foils war she was also in downton abbey although not with this memorable mm-hmm. role as lady lady rosmond but i was excited to find out that she was on rosemary and time <laughs> <laughs> and she was on the episode right before the episode that we watched oh, for this show okay. then I also want to talk about the man who played Peter, the the son-in-law who was framed for the murder of his father-in-law because they all hated him because he had been a drunken philanderer and that is the reason why his wife and uh, son were dead. So he has done a ton of comedy. Like he has been in two Mr. Bean movies. He was in the 2008 39 Steps movie. He was in the Young Indiana Jones. He was in Doctor Who. Which, let's be honest, the Young Indiana Jones is not intentionally comedy. No, okay, that's not fine. <laughs> he was also in Four Weddings and a Funeral. He played the second groom in the second wedding. I mean, he played the, the yeah the groom, the groom in the second, second wedding. wedding. He just did uh, recently in the last couple of years. National Theater Live did a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and he was in that. He was in Two Week Notice, which was a 2002 movie with Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock. I'm just skipping around here. Right. He was also in the Downton Abbey movie. How I'm beginning to think that Downton Abbey was everybody's second job on this. Like, yeah, yeah I can't make that call today. I've got Downton Abbey. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to bring up that one of the roles that he played recently was the 2018 TV show called Killing Eve. No, he was in Killing Eve. He played Bill. Which one's Bill? Bill is the kindly or seemingly kindly boss of Sandra Oh. Mm-hmm. And the, the man, he gets, spoiler alert, he gets killed in like the second or third episode. He, they, they have all kinds of fun back and forth. And then I also was excited to find out that he played the Prime Minister in the reboot, the 2013 reboot of Yes, Prime Minister, which I have not seen and I have no recordings of. But You love that show. I love and it. for the life of me, I don't understand it. Oh, well, it's fine. You That's, don't, I don't you have don't to. You don't like the same things. We don't, and we don't have to. <laughs> it is it is enough that I can make sure that you can watch them. But Killing Eve was a great show. Killing Eve was and amazing. And he was fantastic because you, while you were also, like as a field agent, you were a little suspicious of him. Mm-hmm. Like, was he double-crossing her? You were never yeah. really sure. And there and he are had some, some weird, sexy he, past. Yes, that was crazy. Yeah. And then, but then he gets killed and you're like, oh crap. And so it re- the show really just gets rid of the dudes and it's like yeah they're nice to have around but but let's get rid of them yeah 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 we're kind of nice to have around but it is time for us to go there you go we got another win yay Yay, you got a win you said we (laughs) you did (laughs) well we're okay fair enough i got a win 
I got to win, even though, you know, I think we're a team, but that's okay. okay. I'll take the win. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm Jacob. I'm Jessica. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to season one of Clue Done It. We had a great time watching TV, guessing wildly, and hopefully making you all last. Now, like every show after it finishes a season, we're going on a short break. We're taking some time off during the holidays to refresh, retool, and yes, even rewatch some old favorites. But don't worry, we'll be back with new episodes and new guesses in the new year. And we're even planning a cozy cooking holiday special with a surprise guest, so stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, we'll still be having fun on social media, at Cluedonut on Twitter, at Cluedonut Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.